0: Been, uh, working through some things, and then just today went in a little bit of a different direction, and so you'll see lots of papers. But that's just because the, the Lord has helped me to, to to get this to resonate in my spirit. And, and Psalm 25 is a scripture that is read every third year in the calendar for Advent. It's a passage of scripture that is familiar to the church because it's read at Advent, the first Sunday of Advent. But it's not always a passage we preach from. We tend to always go to the Gospels when we're looking at the Christmas story. But I believe today, as we look at hope today, uh, we can find and glean from this wonderful Psalm of David, Psalm 25, that Pastor Sheila uh, read for us. Just the first ten verses we're looking at today. And so we are doing a series, a denominational series called Come Peasant King. I shared on the Messenger group that you can download on Kindle if you're interested. You can speak to Pastor Mike, not me because I don't know how to do those things. But um, and, and you can download the devotional if you'd like to read this all through Advent. Uh, and we have it downloaded download, and then we are reading it for this season. And uh, it was interesting because one of the pastors that we know for many years, uh, Donna, is in the Collingwood Church of the Nazarene. And she posted today that they are doing it at their church. And there's churches of the Nazarene all around the globe that are using this material together. And so we're united as the body of Christ. Even with the church in Collingwood today, Ontario, we're united with brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe Who are this first Sunday looking at hope together, looking at this material together. And and, you know, Advent is this time of waiting. That's this whole concept of waiting. We embrace the darkness. Did you hear that? We, as the people of God, embrace the darkness. We're not afraid of the darkness. We have hope because God's promises are true and amen. God is with us. God continues to journey with us no matter what we're facing or what we're going through. And we can celebrate today Christ's coming and his coming again. That's what Advent's about. Uh, Mike and I were speaking, Pastor Mike and I were speaking this morning about uh, Bernard of Clairvaux had this... Uh, comments about Advent. There are three Advents. There is the first Advent, Christ's birth. There is the second Advent that we all know about, Christ's coming again. That's what Advent is about, what we are doing here, walking through this. We are crying out, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, with the church that has cried that cry for years. But what we are praying for is for the Lord Jesus to show up today. To come now. To come in my life. To come in our Advent celebrations and our Christmas celebrations. And that's what we are praying for. Our Lady's Bible Study, we've been working through a book together and it's talking about difficult and dark days. And her story is amazing of all the hurt and pain and suffering she's gone through. And she talks about the goodness of God. Um, But the amazing thing with this is she always talks about being between... Two gardens. So so there was the garden <laughs> when God created, right? Adam and Eve. And there is that glorious paradise garden we're all looking forward to. But what do you do in the in-between time? Somebody said, what do you do when you're in the hallway? Go to Gethsemane. We're in the hallway. And so today, maybe you're saying, what now, Lord? We heard news this week. It's not the news that any of our potato farmers wanted to hear. And we're praying. We prayed last night. We're praying for a miracle. What do you do when you're stuck in the hallway when the days are dark? Well, the thing you do is you light a candle. You bring light into the darkness. Have you ever been stuck in a dark place? This root cellar actually looks a lot like my grandmother's root cellar. It was just outside the house. You could see it from the kitchen wind- window there in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. And they had renovated the house many years later, and the root cellar went. But when I was a little girl, living with my grandmother, my mother, and my brother, we all lived in the smaller apartment, uh, but this was before the apartment. This was when the house was larger, and, and they would send us out and say, okay, now you go out to the root cellar, and you'd get some cabbage and turnips for supper tonight. Anyone you guys around here remember a root cellar? I would think Prince Edward Island. Yeah, there's a few hands. I would think Prince Edward Island had root cellars. Well, were they nice places? No. They were dark. They're just earth. Like some of you guys don't know what we're talking about. They were just a pound, (laughs) a pile of earth. With They dug it out because it was the best place to keep your root vegetables all winter. And, and as a kid, it was not your favorite place to go. And I was terrified what was living in there. And I didn't like spiders. And uh, so I would go out there very, well, I didn't like it. Let's just put it that way. And cautiously. Well, one time, I must have been about six or seven on my way to get turnip and cabbage for supper. And somebody thought it was a great joke to close the door on me. And lock me into it. And and it was dark and terrifying. And I'm screaming and crying, let me out, let me out, let me out. And nobody let me out. My mother finally came to find me because I didn't bring the cabbage and the turnip. And she realized that something had happened. That's a memory that I have of being in a dark place. And somebody said, you know, life is full of dark boxes where we sometimes feel like we've been trapped in a root cellar, a dark box. Uh, we realize this year, as we've looked back on this year, that there are those who are oppressed, those that are abused, those who have been discriminated against. There are those that face the dark box of grief and terrible loss. There are those who face the dark box of a diagnosis they didn't want to hear, uh, a physical or a mental, especially today we're seeing mental illness. There are, there's a dark box today of divisiveness that we're seeing in the body of Christ and even in churches, and unfortunately, dare I say, even families. There's the dark box of work that just seems meaningless, Well, I want to say to you today, this psalm of David, that's why we read it this first Sunday of Advent, this Sunday of hope. David was in a dark box. This is a dark time in David's life. We're not sure historically what actually happened here, but we know from time to time that David, who was God's anointed future king, went through hell on earth. Went through much difficulty, many enemies chasing after him, wanting to destroy him. And he was yet God's anointed. Did you hear that? And so he was facing again this time of darkness in his life. But I believe today that as we look at Psalm 25, we can find some great teachings for us about hope, even in dark days. Hope is that expectation of something desired, it's a trust, a confidence. A wishful desire. I wonder today what you are hoping for. In verse 5, he says the psalm, he says in the psalm, guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my savior, and my hope is in you all day long. All day long. O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you. You are my God. This is the symbol of hope this Advent, 2021. And so in order to find hope today, one of the first things that we can find here is he lifts up his soul to god if we're going to find hope if we're going through a dark time if we're hearing now i'm thinking we were at the end of a pandemic and now they're telling us there's another variant that we need to be afraid of how do we find hope in the midst of that Well, David would say the first thing you need to do is you need to surrender and praise God. And he says in that first verse, to you, O God, I lift up my soul. I lift up my soul to you, O Lord. Here I am, completely surrendered to you. Things are not going the way that I had planned or I had hoped. But I lift up my soul to you, Lord. I offer my life to you. Somebody said, what's the soul? Well, the mind is the center of our thoughts, the heart is the center of your will, and the soul is the center of your emotions. Praise. The importance of praise. The importance to praise him in the hallway. The importance to praise him even in dark and difficult places. Days. What we do here in worship is not just, oh, well, I'll go to church on Sunday and see how it works with my schedule this week. We are doing something that I believe shakes the gates of hell every time we gather for worship, and especially if it's not been a good week. And especially if you're going through a dark time, when you gather in the name of the Lord and you lift up your soul, that is when something begins to happen. Because we are called to lift up our souls to the Lord. And I want to tell you something. This is not about feelings. This is intentional. So even though I'm feeling everything within me. Is I want to run. And I want to hide. And I want to bury my head. I am going to the house of the Lord. And I am going to lift up my soul. And I'm going to praise him. Because it is intentional. It's not about feelings. It's never been about feelings. It's about this is where I find my hope. I don't find it at home with the covers over my head. I won't find hope there. I'll find more misery. (laughs) I might get a bit more sleep, but I won't find hope there. And so the importance to worship God and to praise Him and to reflect about God in His sanctuary. And so I have a choice today. You have a choice today. I don't grumble. You hear me? I don't grumble. I don't complain. I don't criticize. I choose to Lord, up to you, I lift up my soul. Then we see the importance of trust. Lord, once again, I put my trust in you. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. In times when we're going through dark days, we have to revisit and we have to renew our trust in God because God is trustworthy You know, sometimes problems, and it happens to all of us. And God knows and understands. And for David, it happened too. If we're not careful, we can get our eyes off God and get our eyes on what? The problem. And if we're not careful, that's all we see. And trust says, I get my eyes off the issues and the problems, and I put my eyes back to Jesus. I put my trust in him. Oh, his promises, God's promises are so good. He promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He works all things together for your good. He always gives us a way out when we are tempted. Never gives us more than any of us can bear. We could go on and on this morning about the promises of God. But we need to trust him. Even when we're going through a dark valley, we are not alone. He's close by. You know, it was interesting, when our daughter uh, was in kindergarten, and, and we the school she attended was just around the corner, and Tina's always been very, very independent, a firstborn, and as a firstborn, she said, okay, now I'm ready to walk to school by myself, thank you very much, and so there was a crossing guard, she'd go across one road there with the crossing guard, and the crossing guard said, she's ready, she's ready. Well, Mama wasn't so ready, but Tina didn't know it. Tina was quite proud of herself. She walked to school by herself. She didn't know that Mama was down the road watching her. Every move she made to make sure she got to school okay. I was just a call away. I was right there, close beside her. She thought she did it all on her own, but Mama was very, very close. Why do I say that? Sometimes we, in our independence, think that we've got to do it all on our own strength. God is just the mention of his name. He's always right there. We can trust him. He is close by, following us. The other thing that we learn in this passage that's very important is waiting. Who likes to wait? Not one hand went up. Did you notice that? That's something we can all agree upon. <laughs> None of us like to wait. The NSAV version says, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait. Remember we said first, I trust, but the actual other versions say, I wait all day. I wait all day for you, Lord. Now this waiting is active. It's not passive. This word that's used here is active. Now, I'm going to give you two scenarios to kind of explain this. In, in our family, growing up as a teenager, it was always a very interesting picture come Sunday morning. Now, some of you can relate to this, some of you won't. But uh, my stepdad was always ready for church right on time. And he would cry out to my mom, Okay, Nina, it's time to go. And mom would say, Five more minutes. Five more minutes, and he would say, "Now we gotta go." Now he was a greeter at the church, so you can understand that, right? He had to be there to greet people. Mom was getting ready. They actually traveled at that time a good half an hour to church, so it made a difference if you if you were running late. And so he then decided, "Well, I'm going out into the car, and I'll go into the car, and I'll wait for this woman because she's late." And he'd be out in the car, and he'd be getting angry. And then I realized I would slide into the back seat at 14, realize I didn't, shouldn't say a word. I just put my head down and just didn't want to say, I didn't want to be late, because I knew that mom was late, and that was bad enough. And then he'd get the car running, even in the middle of summer, and he figured that would help. And then he'd get down the end of the driveway. He had a little driveway. It wasn't very long, but he would drive to the end of the driveway, right the tires and the nose, right on the edge of the driveway. Waiting for her. Making her actually walk further. I don't understand what that was about. And then if she didn't come, guess what he would start doing? Blow the horn. Pastor, she was like, blow the horn. And he was waiting for this woman to hurry up and get to church. Well, I just want to tell you, it wasn't a nice, pleasant half-hour trip to church. And this would go on Sunday after Sunday. Some of you, that's what you think waiting on the Lord is. Lord, I I just need it now. I've been waiting for this prayer. I've been waiting for a breakthrough. I've been waiting for you to do something. And I just need you to do it. And and often we can be like that. The word waiting here is a different scenario. Now, we had our couples retreat. We had a wonderful time. And just think now, couples. After a couples retreat, you decide you want to invest in each other. And you'll look for Sim's Steakhouse, again, one of the nicer fine dining places And you go out for a really lovely uh, evening supper together. And it's just going to be a wonderful time. It's expensive, you know. But you're just going to have that special dinner. And then here comes the waiter. And the waiter comes and they wait on you and take care of you. And they even stand back and watch you and see if you have any need. Because if you have any need, the waiter comes up and wants to make sure to take care of those needs. That's the waiting on God. That's the waiting that David is talking about. Lord, in the midst of dark days, in the midst of difficulty, I wait on you. I serve you. Lord, what is it that you need me to do, even in the midst of these dark times in my life? Lord, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to wait. On you. That's that's what David is saying here. You see, my stepfather, his focus at that time in his life was on himself. The story of the waiter, his focus is on who? The people he is waiting on. And so that is to be our focus. God, I want to focus on you and trust you. I want to serve you, actively be involved. That's where I find my hope. We also see how important it is that we find hope when we obey God. Show me the path where I should walk, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. There are times in our lives when we go through difficulty and we can get off track. I know in my own life, my own experience, we can get off track. We can get off all those things we knew before. We can get so focused on the issue and the problem that we can get off track spiritually. Even our spiritual disciplines go out the window. And and so David is saying, Lord, help me to get back on track. Help me to find your path. Help me, guide me, teach me, show me. Here's a good question for you this morning. Are you teachable? Do you have a teachable spirit? Are you humble? Because this is what David is saying here. In humility, he's saying, God, I'm on the wrong track, and I need you to teach me again and show me the right path. Lead me, Lord. Help me to get on the right path again. I, I kind of had this picture of, Of um, being out in the forest at night and it's very very dark right so much so we had some of those nights lately I noticed that last week where you can't see the stars you can't even see the moon and everything looks so dark and somewhere, that's how we can feel sometimes in our Christian journey that we're walking around and it's Lord like Lord, you have a path for me, you have a purpose for my life, but I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't find it. And, and we talked about this on on uh, October 31st. But what 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 David is saying it, it is like a lantern, it is like God, you are the light. We read that as our call to worship, you are the light to my path. You are the one now that even though everything around me seems dark, you can shine your hope and your light enough to light my path that I can find that path and walk on it. The actual word path here is quite interesting because I think it's some of the things that you see on some good dirt roads and PEI after a lot of rain. Not potholes. Ruts. Ruts. What, what David is using here for the word path, he, he's saying it's, it's like the tracks of wheels. It's, it's like the ruts that happen. It was quite interesting being in the uh, area of Corinth. And as you're in Corinth, you can see the Corinth actually... Is between two bodies of water, and you can actually go out there. And in the in the stone is still the tracks for where they would drag the boats from one side of the water body of water to the other side. You know, portage, portage. That's well. That's probably about where that name came from. Somewhere there. And in Corinth, you can literally see the engraving in the stone, these ancient paths. That's what David's saying here. Lord, show me your paths. Shine enough light on my path right now that I can find the ancient paths, the ways that for generation after generation, they have followed you. Even those that have gone on ahead of us that have fought the good fight. That have been faithful. I could give you names today in this church that I've got to see in seven years that I've been here. That have fought the good fight. That are not here with us this Christmas. They've been faithful. They have found that true path. And they have walked that path. And I want to say to you today that we need to be, have a teachable and a humble spirit. That when we get off track, we can say, God, show me your path. I need to get back on I need to follow it. And he is willing to give us enough light that's needed to find it. That's why we can have hope today, no matter what we are going through. He also says you need to remember the character of God. You remember the goodness of God when you're going through dark days. That God can give us hope when we sit there and realize that our God is faithful. Verse 10 says, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. See, the problem is, when we go through difficulty, we tend to want to run and hide. I, I, um, we pray almost every Saturday night, many of you know that. And for that first year of COVID, when we prayed on Saturday nights, I kept getting the vision of the church in that far corner, all huddled together, cowering underneath. Oh, God, may it pass. Oh, God, may it be over. Oh, God, what are we going through? This year, God changed that vision when I prayed for us as a church. And I'm talking about the Church of Jesus Christ, too, right? Not just us. I began to see an army. I began to see an army come up out of the trenches, and they were pushing back the enemy and taking new land and new ground for the Lord. That's what God wants for us to do in times of difficulty, in times of what we are going through. God does not want us to cower in fear and in, in action. Hope is that very thing that begins to resonate in me and causes me to continue to march forward and to continue to push through. And I can do that because of who God is. Not because of me, not because of my own strength or my abilities, God can give me that hope to be active because of who he is. And David says, our God is a God of mercy. Now this mercy is not the idea of God withholding his punishment from us, though we deserve it, which that's what we usually say for the word of mercy. The word here used for mercy is motherly compassion, that a mother would never forget her child. You wouldn't leave church today and forget your child. A mother would never leave her child. And that's who God is. This God of mercy who would never leave his children. Mm -hmm. He's also a God of love. And the love that's used here is not about emotion. I've got past this uh, at Christmas. Oh, look at the sweet baby Jesus. (laughs) And we get warm fuzzies because we see a baby in a manger. (laughs) That is not the love that God is talking about here. See, that love is fleeting. That love is, today I feel like I love you, tomorrow I don't. (laughs) It's not about emotions. The love of God is the word hesed. And the word hesed is his uh, devoted. Love and care for you. He is devoted to you. It is an an enduring loyalty. It is steadfast. It is a commitment, as we've said often, it doesn't matter what you have done. he He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. It's commitment. And so if we remember that, no matter what I'm going through, God loves me. I want you to say that with me today. God loves me. That inspires hope, this mercy and love. And praise God today, his forgiveness. His forgiveness gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Remember what David says in verse 7. Remember not the sins of my oh, youth. Youth, oh Lord. and my rebellious ways. It brings shame. David talked about shame in this song. See, in the midst of going through dark days, in the midst of being God's anointed future king, but going through hell on earth, David begins to remember, and the enemy begins to use all those past memories. Who do you think you are? Do you know what you've done? How would God ever want to use you? And so David gets hope because he stands on the truth of God's forgiveness. And God doesn't just forgive, he forgets. He's asking God to just forget the sins of his youth, his rebellious ways. Some of you haven't got a whole long list. Some of us, my friends, the list would hit the floor. Praise God, he forgives and he forgets. Now hear me right, he doesn't ignore. We live in a day where the world would want you to believe God ignores sin. No. That's the whole reason why Christ had to come why he grew up and became a man, and as he was fully God and fully man, he was willing to be nailed to that tree for you and me, and he shed his blood that your shame can be gone and your sins can be paid for and you can be cleansed. That is the hope we have. Because we have a God who is merciful and loving and forgiving and doesn't just forgive our sins, but will even forget our sins. As I bring this to a close, we might be in dark days, probably. We'll all go through dark days. We'll feel like we're shouting out like I did in that cellar. Is anyone out there? (laughs) Will someone open the door? We can feel like that. But I want to encourage you today. We can have hope. This first Sunday of Advent 2021. And I look at 2022 with hope not because of what the news tells me, but because of him, like David. I can have hope today because I can surrender and I can praise him and I can lift up my soul and I know he is trustworthy and I'm learning to wait on him and to serve him and I'm and I'm trying to be humble and teachable and say, Lord, show me your paths and admit at times when I've been off. His And I begin to stop and think about the character of our God, that he is merciful, loving, and forgiving. My friends, for centuries, Advent has been a time of waiting. We need to look at church history and all those years when the church went through all kinds of pestilence and issues, they still lit an Advent candle. In the midst of the wars, the church globally around the world still lit the Advent candle of hope. And here we are today, it's our turn, even if you're going through dark days, even in the midst of another Christmas in a pandemic, we light the candle of hope. Maybe you're going through difficulty today. You know what? We lit this candle of hope today you. This candle of hope, though, this light is not to be kept in this sanctuary. Because now, as we talked about on October 31st, we now are the light of Christ, and so we are the instruments of God's hope for West Prince. And wherever we go, we are to bring into this dark world his light into this tasteless world, his salt. That is now our commission. That is what we are responsible this coming week of Advent and throughout this Advent season and into 2022. We don't continue to embrace the darkness and stay dark. We walk into the darkness and bring his light. That's our calling because we know better. Others don't, but we know better. We know with God as David did that day we can have his hope. As the worship team comes, I want to share this story in closing. A family was out on the lake one summer. Dad had been working in the boat house and his two sons were down on the dock. They're over there in Mill River. (laughs) There's 12-year-old Mike and story. And they were down playing on the dock. Now Mike, the 12-year-old, was supposed to watch the three-year-old. But guess what Mike did? He didn't. And so little Paul was looking at the aluminum boat that was shining and the sun was hitting. At the end of the dock, it was tied there. And so little Paul walked down the dock and he went to put his foot up on the boat because he wanted to get into it. But instead, when he put his foot up on the boat, it moved And little Paul fell into the water, about five feet, six feet deep. Not very deep, but too deep for him. And so Mike screamed this piercing scream, and the father runs from the boathouse, and he jumps into the water, and it's dark down there and murky, and he can't see anything, and he can't find them. He comes up out of the water... Gasping for air and more of a panic, and he goes down again, and he starts to try to feel around in the darkness because he can't find his precious son, little Paul, three years old. He's ready to come up the second time when all of a sudden he feels him, he touches him, and little, little Paul has got a lock on the post of the dock under the water. And he was holding on for dear life. And in the dark, the father feels him, and the father has to pry his little hands open to get him to let go of the post and hold on to his dad. And they're really running out of air now. So by the time they get up out of the water, they're just gasping for air. They get up there, and (laughs) the father looks at little Paul, and he says, what in the world were you doing down there in the dark? Hanging on to the post under the water. And little Paul said, I was just waiting for you, Dad. Just waiting for you. Powerful story. Because, in a way, that's what we do in dark days. God, <laughs> it's dark, and I don't know what I'm doing, and panic is setting in. But, God, I'm just waiting. Father, I'm just waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, this day, this first Sunday of Advent, thank you for the blessed hope that we have yes, in Christ blessed Jesus, even more so than what David knew or experienced yes, in the psalm. And we thank you for the psalm, that, that even God's anointed king went through a dark night of the soul and had enemies against him, and he had to remind himself of how he could have his hope in, in God all day long, no matter what was going on. I pray this first Sunday of Advent 2021, you would teach us that same yes, lesson, Father. Yes, Father. to put our hope in you. And Father, we thank you for what you are doing in our midst, in this day. And we give you all the praise and mm-hmm. all the glory, amen. in Jesus' name, Thank you. Lord. amen and amen. Going to ask